Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee, and I'm back again with another Theophany. This time we're going to the book of Joshua, the fifth chapter, and it's a really short section, very short, just three verses, Joshua 5, 13 through 15. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Here ends the reading. So again, this is a this is an interesting theophany here, um, very different from uh, the one that we looked at, say um, the fire on Sinai. This is not as dramatic as that. This is a relatively, if we can use the word ordinary, uh, it's two people talking in the desert. Uh, nothing extraordinary on the surface of it but if we look a little deeper into the into the text we see actually something quite extraordinary uh, so a little bit of context on this scene earlier uh, in the chapter we see the circumcision of an entire generation who were born in the wilderness after the exodus um, and then of course then the the people of Israel celebrate the Passover for the first time in Canaan uh, which is a huge monumental achievement. You can almost sort of think of it as the end of a second exodus. So the people of Israel had an exodus out of Egypt and into the wilderness, and then because of their sin, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and were then led out of there by Joshua into Canaan. Uh, now, of course, the most memorable part of Joshua for us normally is the, uh, the march around Jericho, uh, and that's about to happen. The marching's about to happen in the next chapter, and Joshua actually received the instructions from Yahweh about what to do with the walls of Jericho in Joshua chapter 4. So this is sort of sandwiched between sort of the, the highlight, at least in our minds, of the book of Joshua, and I think there's good reason for that. Um, Joshua's already spoken with God and received the commands um, but here, uh, Joshua has a, a grand opportunity to worship, and he does. 
So let's let's take a look. Uh, in verse 13, this stranger who comes up to who comes up near Joshua uh, has his sword drawn, uh, which is a, an important detail. Uh, there's crossover here between two particular passages, uh, Numbers 22, verses 23, and then verse 31, and then also 1 Chronicles 21, 16. Both of those passages use the expression to characterize the angel of God. Uh, the Numbers chapter, or, or the, the Numbers section, has to do with the story of Balaam, uh, and then in First Chronicles, uh, he's this man with the drawn sword is seen between earth and heaven. Now, I, I think this is interesting because Joshua sees this man with a drawn sword, and he, rather than drawing his own sword and attempting to attack, he actually approaches him with a question. So I, I wonder if he already knew that this, this man wasn't a threat. And that was why he felt comfortable enough to approach him with a question rather than his own drawn sword. Um, that's a bit of that's a bit of conjecture, but it does kind of make me wonder if, if that might have been the case. Um, so he asks him, "Are you with us or are you against us?" Because he's about to go into conflict with with the people of Israel against Jericho. And the answer is really interesting. Uh, in verse 14, the next verse, the man with the drawn sword says, No, rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. So he's not, he's he's neither. He's, he's not on Joshua's army's side. He's not on the side of Jericho, on the side of the enemies. He's the commander of Yahweh's host. And, and actually, that's what Lord Sabaoth means. So if you're used to singing particular version of A Mighty Fortress is Our God, one of the lines says, Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age of the same. And that's a, that's a military term. Uh, Yahweh, the God of armies, the Lord of armies. But he's not, he's not in this fight, so to speak, as one of the combatants. This man with the drawn sword isn't fighting in Joshua's army. He's not fighting in the army of Jericho. He's, he's in the Lord's army. <laughs> and I know how that sounds because anybody who grew up in Sunday school or youth group or anything like that, you know, the, you'll, you'll instantly think of the song, I'm in the Lord's army. Well, the, the, this guy isn't just in the Lord's army. He's, in, he's the commander of his army. Uh, he's more than just a, a man with a sword, and we're about to see evidence of that. But I have to think about this uh, about this fact. Um, we know this is a theophany. He's this man with the drawn sword is is going to accept Joshua's worship. So this is no mere angel. This is no man. Uh, this is God. This is God before Joshua's face. So this is a sovereign, this man is sovereign. He's the sovereign God. I find this comforting. Sovereignty means that God isn't a co-belligerent in our battles. Um, he's not fighting against us. He's not on the ground with us, boots on the ground fighting alongside us. He fights for us. Um, in fact, Christ 
accomplished all of that and won the victory on behalf of his people in his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. So that the battle in in God's terms is already over. It's already won. Now, of course, we've, we're waiting to see that play out in history, in, in our time, but God who's outside of time, sovereignly outside of time, has already won the battle. So this, this commander of Yahweh's army is sort of already standing in victory, if you want to think about it that way. He's not fighting. He has a drawn sword, but that, that symbol is a symbol of, of power, of gravity, of importance. Um, uh, he's powerful, but he's not using his sword <laughs> in this moment. Um, the battle's already won. So he's not fighting in any armies. He works all things according to his good pleasure. So God is for his people, but he doesn't fight beside us. He's already ordered the battle, and the outcome is to be to the benefit of his people for the advancement of his gospel. I, I find that very comforting, and I hope you do too. And obviously this message was captivating to Joshua himself. Because in the next, in that, in the rest of that verse, Joshua, after those words, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord, Joshua falls on his face in on the ground. He bowed down in the most humbling position he could be in and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? So he sees, even though he's a, a mighty military man himself, has a great deal of power, He's the leader of the nation of Israel. He's he's led them across the Jordan and into Canaan. But he pledges his fealty to the commander of the Lord. Uh, I I have to believe that he recognized that this was God standing before him, because obviously the commander of the armies of the Lord isn't going to be your average mortal man. <laughs> this is a divine person. Um so he offers worship the way that a believer would. He's, he's been faced now with a visit from God, and he worships. What has my Lord to say to his servant? He's ready to take orders. Um, he's already taken orders from God. As I said earlier, he, he got the notice from God in, in chapter 4 um, to walk around the walls of Jericho with the Ark of the Covenant and with trumpets. So he's, I think, anticipating further instructions because they are about to go and conquer Jericho. So the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And this is where we can definitively say this is certainly a theophany. This is God before him, because we know, as as we discussed earlier in, in the first theophany episode, or at least I think it was the first, at, at the burning bush, the very same words were said by God speaking from the burning bush that wasn't consumed. God had appeared before a man, that at that time it was Moses, now it's Joshua, and told him, you remove your sandals, the place where you're standing is holy ground. And so, of course, Joshua did, did that. So Joshua, perhaps, even if he was anticipating new marching orders, literally marching orders, instead he was told to take his shoes off and, and be reverent, um, to worship, and so he did. So it's, it's plainly obvious uh, to Joshua at this point that he's, he's having a meeting with God. 
And like any believer, he listened and he obeyed. And then, of course, they began the the interesting and odd campaign against Jericho uh, that we're all aware of. I want to speak just briefly about why I think it's important that this very short episode occurs here. Because Joshua, as I said, got the orders for what to do regarding Jericho in chapter 4. And then after that, the circumcision occurs. So God is preparing his people uh, to enter the promised land. And there were things, there were preparations to be made beforehand. There were things to do. So Joshua had to, number one, hear the marching orders, hear what you're going to do. Then you got to get the people ready. And there was a whole generation of people that had grown up in the wilderness. I mean, they've been out there for 40 years. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. There's a whole generation of people. And for whatever reason, they were not following the law that had been handed to Moses. So there was um, a significant number of men that had not been circumcised. So they received the covenant sign of the people of Israel. And then they had the Passover. So the people, the people themselves as a group were, were prepared um, to enter the promised land. Um, that, so they had their time. They, they had obedience. Uh, they, were, they were obedient to take the sign. They were obedient to observe the Passover as was also commanded. And it was a very fitting feast, I, I, I think, to observe in the wilderness after they had just um, entered Canaan, uh, the promised land that they were so desperately looking toward uh, during their time in captivity. It really kind of mirrors the preparations that the people were to make at Sinai when Moses was to go up the mountain and receive the law from from God. Uh, Preparations were made ahead of the fulfillment of the promise. But then here, there's a very personal situation, very similar to the burning bush. So it's just a little bit backwards from Moses' own experience. Moses had that personal experience, and then he was commissioned to go and lead the people out. Joshua led the people uh, into Canaan and then had this experience before the very difficult mission of approaching and conquering Jericho. And I I have to think that this was... um, pivotal for him on on the on the eve or at least very soon before going on this very strange offensive and i kind of feel weird even calling it an offensive because it wasn't an attack they just they marched as god ordered them to and blew it had the ark of the covenant with them blew trumpets um for a period of days they were obedient and it would have seemed foolish Perhaps maybe even to Joshua's sinful mind, not only foolish, but but maybe even wasteful. Maybe in the back of his mind before this occurred, he was he was ready to abandon the idea and go his own way, sort of like Abraham and Sarah did uh, when there was doubt about the birth of Isaac. And I think that this theophany occurs at just the right time, as God does in the fullness of time. He sent this message to reorient Joshua's um, own soul, to grab his attention, 
call him to to not only hear, to bow, um, to be humble, but also to worship. I think I think there's something crucial about that before going on this divinely appointed offensive against the city of Jericho. So you know everything God does is right, and I think I think this episode is is tucked in between. Um, these other pieces of the greater story for a particular reason. And of course, it's to the benefit of his people. So I, I just have a couple quick takeaways uh, from this short short episode. First is that um, God is sovereign above all things. I think this story tells it, just like many other stories throughout the Bible, but it's a lesson that I myself am quick to forget and uh, I can always use a reminder on that even though we say, you know, we say things like God's fighting for us, or God is for us, or God is on our side, that's a simplification of, of the truth. We, we don't have to think of God as a, a, like I said before, a co-belligerent with us. He's not a fellow soldier with us fighting alongside us. He's already won the battle, and the indwelling Holy Spirit is our comforter. Um, he's applying grace to us. He's not fighting a battle alongside us. The battle's already won. He, uh, God is above all things, and in Christ all things hold together, and he works all things for the good of his people according to the counsel of his will. So he doesn't need to wear our uniform, so to speak. He's already directing the entire war according to his will. So we should take comfort in that fact that God is sovereign over the entire course of history, the entire war against sin uh, that the entire church is partaking in, Um, but he equips us and guides us in that, and it's not hopeless. It's not up for grabs. You know, there's, there's no dualism here. It's not the forces of evil against the forces of good, and let's find out who wins. The war is already won. Um, the man standing with the sword in his hand has already won the battle. So we can take comfort in God's sovereignty, uh, that the commander of the armies of the Lord is a victorious commander. Uh, and, and if we are in his covenant, if, if we're under his protection, if we've been saved and covered in the blood of Christ, and he's taken our sins and he's given us his righteousness, we don't have to fear the outcome of the battle. So we should take comfort and we should worship. So like Joshua, we have something even better than what he had uh, in this in this story. Yes, he, he had a face-to-face encounter with the, the commander of the army of the Lord. And I, I tend to think of this as a Christophany, but I could be wrong. And I'd love to hear some feedback uh, if anybody thinks that it's not a Christophany. Um, but regardless... We have something even better than that because he had one experience, um, and honestly, it's only three verses here, so I'm going to say it was probably a a pretty brief experience uh, face-to-face with this man. But we who are believers now, we not only have the authoritative scriptures that we can read and meditate on and, uh, and be nourished by, but we also have the indwelling Holy Spirit, and he's with us all the time. Uh, he he lives in 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 the people of God, uh, so we don't have to look for a chance meeting, uh, a a fortuitous face to face encounter with God. 
we we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us if we are believers. And that's much better than than some event like this because he is guiding us. He is applying grace to our hearts. Um, he is making sense of our prayers that we don't even know how to pray, like Paul says. Um, the groanings of our heart, he interprets. Uh, that is much better. Um, even though these theophany stories are very interesting and they're worthwhile for us to study, we have to remember that we now, in the new covenant, saved, redeemed in Christ, we have something better than even these because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So he illuminates us when we read the scriptures. He interprets our prayers uh, when we pray uh, with sloppy words or don't know how to pray, don't know how to, how to put the concerns of our hearts or even how to word our praises. Um, he, he understands, he hears, uh, he communicates uh, with, with the Father. So we have the great benefit of the Holy Spirit and we should be thankful, we should worship. Uh, and, and that's not simply on the Lord's day, worship is our entire way of life. So um, I hope that uh, this story, brief as it was, um, encourages you to do that very thing, uh, to, be, to be grateful, to be worshipful, to take comfort in the fact that God is sovereign, and hopefully to be, be provoked, uh, to live according to that reality. Because uh, that does make a huge difference in our walk, it makes a huge difference in our witness. Uh, it's it changes everything. That's the Christian life. So I hope this was a, a benefit. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, drop us a line. Let me know what you think. Uh, let me know if you've got recommendations or additional thoughts, criticisms. Uh, I'm I'm glad to take it all. Uh, you can find our website guyswithbibles.com. You can find us on social media have a group on Facebook as well as a page, public page you can like. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Gab at Guys with Bibles. You can also email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. All these are in our show notes as well as a link to the Bar Network website. We're so thrilled to be a Bar Network podcast. It's a great group of, of gospel-centered Christ-exalting podcasts that you would do well to hit subscribe on. So you can find the full catalog there. Um, get to know some of these great men and women behind the mic on the network. Uh, you will be edified. No doubt about it. All right. Thank you very much for listening. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Peace.